Well, hey everyone, this is Athena and welcome to the All Things Podcast, where we gather once a week to learn and share stories about how God works all things together, writing a story of good because He is faithful and good. Every Wednesday, I'll be chatting with a friend who I know and respect, one of our Redemption Press authors, who will not only share a personal Romans 8.28 story, but also help to give you tips and tools for your life journey. Two episodes a month, we'll have an additional interview with a well-known author, and the other two episodes will include a time for Insider Insights, where I'll answer publishing questions from our listeners. So hey, Let's get started. Well, welcome to today's episode of the All Things Podcast. I am here today with best-selling author Janet McHenry to kickstart our time together. Then during the second half of the show, I'll introduce you to Gail Porter, author of Will the Real Person Please Stand Up? rising above the fear of rejection. So Janet, welcome to the All Things Podcast. Oh, thank you for having me, Athena. What a privilege and a pleasure to spend Mm. some time with you. Amen. Well, let me give a proper introduction for those who are listening today that maybe have never met you before or are not connected with you online. Um, Janet McHenry is a national speaker and author of 24 books, six of those on prayer, including the best-selling Prayer Walk that came out in 2001 by Waterbrook, and her newest, The Complete Guide to the Prayers of Jesus, that was Harvest House in 2018, Um, An avid prayer walker, Janet has been featured for her prayer walking in many publications, including Family Circle and Health Magazine. She and her cattle rancher husband, Craig, have lived for nearly 40 years in the Sierra Valley in Northeast California, where they raised their four children and where they enjoy kayaking on mountain lakes. Ooh, that sounds so good. (laughs) So let me uh, add to that a little color, some trivia, little known facts. Um, Janet played the stand-up bass in their youngest band, the biggest little bluegrass band. Now I am seeing that in my head and I am just (laughs) loving that. Um, She enjoys making decorated cakes for their 10 grandchildren. Um, Sierra County where she lives has only about 3,000 residents and no stoplight in the entire county. Right. (laughs) The closest city is Reno, which is 42 miles away over a mountain pass and past a lot of high desert ranches. Wow, you are out there in the boonies. We are in the boonies, Athena. Yes. <laughs> we, we, we like to call ourselves isolated. <laughs> I guess. On purpose. <laughs> on purpose, yeah. Oh, oh. So she has recently raised thousands of dollars for gifts for the class of 2020 at Loyalton High and is also writing senior bios for the newspaper. She created a Facebook group called Moms and Friends of the Class of 2020, and is uh, like many of us, just aching for the losses that those kids are experiencing because of the pandemic. So 
Let's just uh, jump in, Janet, before we start talking about your book on the prayers of Jesus, I would love to just have you share your Romans 8.28 story with our listeners. And I remember you telling the story. Okay, so what was the name of that women's conference, the Northwest Christian Women's Conference? Right, right. I, uh, that was amazing. Northwest of uh, Seattle, right. Yes, and it was about 200 small ago. churches that all came together. You were the keynoter there. And I remember sitting there going, whoa, what a Romans 8.28 story. So let's start there. Well, first we'll start with Romans 8.28, that we know that God uh, allows all things to work for good in our lives for those who love him, number one, and those who are called according to his purpose. So even though I have a love-hate relationship with that scripture, you know, uh, <laughs> Because I don't want anybody wagging it at me. But uh, I do know that God is in the business of redemption. Uh, yeah. He redeems lives. He redeems circumstances. But I sure in 2005 did not want anybody to tell me that verse. Mm -hmm. um, it was actually 15 years ago this week wow. when, my, when my husband uh, had finished a two-week trial. He was charged with seven felony counts of animal cruelty related to the deaths of six young calves and an old bull during a 2001 snowstorm at the end of the year. We had thought that the trial would simply be something that we lived through. Uh, we had all the evidence on our side, including uh, stellar auction records. Uh, including testimonies from two well-respected veterinarians and including the personal testimony of the foremost beef expert on, on west of the Rockies, Dr. John Moss, who is a professor at the UC Davis Veterinary School. He had never, ever testified in a court case before, but he was so convinced that my husband was um, innocent that he agreed to testify. Well, as the trial went down, it seemed that the judge <laughs> had it out for my husband from the get-go. Mm. He would not allow those auction records to be presented to the jury. He would not allow um, testimony from John Moss, who was our chief expert. He would not allow records in regard to the uh, autopsies, they call them necropsies for animals. The necropsy, two animals were necropsies, and necropsied and one had 15 pounds of feet in its stomach mm. and the other had a high level of colostrum. So clearly mm. the animals had been well taken care of despite mm. the fact that they had died in this two-day blizzard. Mm -hmm. So uh, I think one of the worst moments was when Craig and I, I was allowed to be there for the actual um, verdict. Craig and I were sitting outside the courtroom and we watched the jury come down the hallway and the expressions on the jurors' faces uh, gave me a gut ache instantly. And I thought, oh my gosh, this is not gonna go well. And it did not. Uh, my husband was convicted of six of those felony counts. Um, he could have gotten three years in state prison. Instead, he was given four years of probation 
and uh, a huge fine that it, that was the equivalent of my teaching salary for a year. Mm. And um, in the in the meantime, in the in the couple years after the uh, conviction, uh, Craig and I fired the attorney and took over the case ourselves and did the appeal. Now, my husband, who is a full-time rancher and has been a full-time rancher for, gosh, almost uh, 30 years. I was trying to think the other day, I think about 20, 25 years. Uh, but prior to that, he was uh, a general practice uh, lawyer. He, had, he a law, had a law practice in a nearby town and I had worked for him. So we were a pretty good pair, mm-hmm. um, even though, I, uh, I left the law practice and had left the law practice many years ago with him to go into teaching because we would drive each other crazy in the law office. But nonetheless, you know, and through struggles that we'd have with marriages and disagreements, whatever, somehow um, God used that time to bring us together. Um, even though we had words, lots of words together, <laughs> we filed the appeal and won at the appellate level. Uh, it took two years for all of that to happen, but I I can tell you that um, when we heard each of the three appellate judges give their opinion and then to make their decision, it was unanimous 3-0 to uh, overturn the conviction. So, um, and that may not see, some people have, have said to me, you know, Janet, I we had a lawsuit once and yeah, we smelled, filed against our neighbor and small claims because his trees hanging over our yard. You know, this, people have to understand this was a felony conviction. My husband could not leave the county. Um, My husband could not uh, leave, we could not leave the state. Uh, He had, could have no guns. Uh, It was a, a very tenuous, tenuous time. Plus, you know, we felt as though, even though we won at the appellate level, still the there there's when you live in a small community there are a lot of opinions that float around if you know what i mean um if if you've had that kind of uh, experience and you still feel as though you never quite get your reputation back right but the day of the sentencing afterwards there was a group of men that came around my husband afterwards outside and a group of women that came around me and one woman said oh my gosh, look at your husband. He's just, he's just glowing with the Holy Spirit. I've never seen Craig like this before. He's so calm. He seems to understand that God will take care of you guys. And I looked at my husband and it was though I had completely new eyesight for him because I had seen that God truly had changed him and he had actually changed our marriage as well. Um, and for a woman who had spent years crying in closets to hide the sadness in my life that had the, to hide the depression in my life. That was huge. That was huge. So God indeed provi- did provide that Romans 828 um, experience for me to understand that God, in fact, will again, redeem lives. He will redeem circumstances. Mm-hmm. Nothing is for naught in God's kingdom. Nothing. Mm. And to have something that devastating do what and to have God use that to bring that kind of healing in your marriage. Who'd have thunk? <laughs> <laughs> no. 
I love that. I, I, all the way through that, I never made that connection. It was an annoyance for me. I had just thought we're just going to get through this, just hang in there. Somehow we'll make it. But God used that horrible situation to actually bring us closer together. Mm. I love that. That is what uh, that is why I love doing this podcast because it's so fun to hear all the creative ways God works in our lives and uses things that see on the outside. You look at that and go, how could anything good ever come from this? Right. And Oh, wow. Exactly. Okay. Thank you. Thank you so much for sharing that again. <laughs> Maybe be listening to it. Gosh. Uh, me too. Every time. <laughs> Oh gosh. Okay. So let's kind of shift into second gear and um, we're going to talk about your complete guide to the prayers of Jesus, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. All right. Cause I know you've got the prayer walk book, but um, which was your first book, correct? It was the first book on prayer. Yes. Okay. Got it. Got it. Yeah. So first tell us why and how you started prayer walking. Well, there was, uh, gosh, it was the fall of 1998, and I just had shipped our second child off to college, and, um, you know, there was kind of a, uh, should have been a lightness in my life, but I physically was falling apart. Uh, I, I was huffing and puffing, going up and downstairs. I was way overweight. I needed to take painkillers to get to sleep at night. And the worst moment, I think, was when I walked out our back door and found myself in a crumpled heap because my knee had given way. Mm. So I knew I needed to do something about, about my health, but I also knew that for some time God had been asking me to spend more time with him in prayer. So there I was sitting on the concrete, and I thought, I'm just going to get up a little bit earlier tomorrow, and I'm going to walk. And while I'm walking, I'm going to pray. And that's kind of as simply as it started. So I was walking and praying. And the perspective of all that changed, though, one day, a couple months down the road, when I was walking past this little place called Toddler Towers. And it's the little daycare center in our town, which is about a half a mile from one end to the other. And... I saw a young man do what I call a single daddy's ballet. You know, he goes around to the, he pulls up in front of the daycare center. He goes around to the other side of his little pickup truck. He picks up his little blanketed bundle out of the back, out of the car seat in the, in the little pickup. And he goes up to the sidewalk and he hands over his little girl to Cheryl, the daycare worker. And the little bundle said, that little girl said, Bye, Daddy, I love you. And from that moment, I knew that God had me out on the streets of my community less for the minus of my prayers, my kids, my husband, my marriage, my job at the school, but more for the needs of others in my community. And all mm -hmm. I had to do was to open up my eyes and to ask God to give me insight as to how to pray for them. So I began praying for all the business people up and down Main Street. I began praying for the teachers at the various schools as I walked around the schools. I prayed for the loggers heading out into the woods. I prayed for the mill workers driving into the mill. I prayed for the commuters heading off into Reno. 
And so my walking and praying became prayer walking. And the author, Steve Hawthorne, says that prayer walking really is praying on site with insight. Mm. And I totally agree that with that, that you are, that God will reveal to you, if you hand over your heart to him, as you uh, intercede for your community, God will show you how to pray and give you insight. Mm. So that's how it started. (laughs) How powerful that is right now. Exactly. For communities. Our communities need, definitely need prayer. Um, And I have seen really a shift in people's hearts uh, toward the things of God right now. And I have had so many people tell me that they are prayer walking their neighborhoods, their downtowns, their communities. And um, it's, it's, I believe that we are going to shift into a time of revival. I don't know what that will look like, but as people begin praying earnestly, um, less for the minus of their own needs and more for the greater needs of their community that God will pour out. He really will pour out. Mm. I, I believe that. And, and I think this is, you know, what maybe the enemy wanted to use to tear us down. It's going to kind of backfire on him. Yes, I expect so. Yep. <laughs> I expect <Yeah>. it is. <laughs> wow. So what kind of changes occurred in your life from your prayer walking? Well, I experienced uh, definitely uh, uh, physical changes initially because I lost two dress sizes, the aches and pains went away. I, I didn't need painkillers to go to sleep or any of that. And I pretty much, even though it's 20 years, more than 20 years down the road now, uh, since I started doing that, I, I can testify that that is still true in my life. Uh, and then I experienced emotional changes. I realized one day that um, that cloud of depression wasn't hanging over me mm. as it had been. And that uh, I knew that one morning when I was in the kitchen making kids lunches for school and Josh, our, our third child came in and he said, mom, what are you, what are you, what are you doing? And I said, making peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. <laughs> <laughs> and he said, no, mom, you were singing. And he just kind of walked, walked away. Like he shook his head because mom never sung in the morning. You know, I was a mm. grouch, get up, get, get ready for school, you know? And I was singing in the kitchen in the morning before seven o'clock. And then I also experienced a spiritual changes as well uh, because fear no longer had a, a grip on me as, mm. as it did in the past. Um, part of the reason I did not want to uh, walk uh, in our community in the dark hours, you know, at five o'clock in the morning, I'd be, I would walk from five to six that um, because it just, you know, I was afraid. I was just afraid. I'd get to the little bridge um, that goes over this creek a block from our house. And I'd have the the sense that there was just a presence there oppressing me and trying to get me to turn around. And I began praying against that. So uh, I would say, fear, you no longer have control over me. I am a child of the most high God, you know, flee and go to the deepest, darkest pit. Just simple like that and then move on. Mm. And, And I think the enemy at some point realized that those those endeavors to try to deter me actually drew me deeper into prayer so (laughs) that (laughs) so that didn't work anymore with me so there were significant changes in me and people have said um so as well in terms of my demeanor the way i'm you know i'm carried in front of other people and so forth so Mm. it's only god really because of god 
I love that. So, okay, you say that Jesus is your personal trainer. So explain that for us. Well, um, when I started prayer walking, I, I just got so uh, fascinated and hooked by the concept of prayer that, you know, that God would invite us into his presence. He wanted us to communicate with him, to talk with him, to listen. So um, I had been reading through the Bible every year. So what I began doing was marking a P in the margins of anything I saw in God's word relating to prayer. And then I particularly noticed when I got to the Gospels that Jesus practices a prayer, what he taught about prayer, and uh, his prayers themselves. And so I realized that the best trainer that I could have in terms mm. of how to pray, um, I could learn from the life of Christ. And so I began studying that over and over and over again, uh, spoken a bit about, quite a bit about his prayer practices and his teachings and so forth. And, um, but I also viewed him um, as my companion on the walk. Mm. You know, I pictured him, behold, and knocking on my door, I stand at the door and knock, come, come walk with me, Janet. Mm. <laughs> and um, I, because, you know, ideally it's lovely to have someone who you, to whom you can be accountable to go walking, right? It, it, it gets you motivated. Yeah. So I didn't have that person all the time. You know, once in a while, someone might walk with me and pray, but I knew that he was waiting. Mm. I knew that he would be my companion in that walk and he would show me how to pray and so forth. So, yeah. Well, <laughs> what is so great about that? I mean, just for those of us who are still sequestered in and sheltering at home and however many steps away from the refrigerator so i mean i know i have gained at least 10 pounds right and oh yeah what yeah. a perfect i mean this is what we need right now yes <laughs> and people are walking more and they're posting about it and i i think that's really cool and they are posting on social media about their prayer walking and they take pictures and and um, this is not like a holier than thou thing. Like I never stop. People need to know I don't stop and hold my hands up and right, right. something. I just keep moving. You know, I try yep. to get distance in from my health, yep. but there's a lot of territory in my town that needs to be covered for prayer as well. Mm. So um, I have different routes that I'll do on different days. And it really is a privilege to partner with the Holy One for your mm -hmm. community. I can't emphasize that enough. <laughs> Wow. Okay. So what can we learn from Jesus about prayer? Well, we have 10 of his actual prayers in the gospels. And uh, that's part of how, how I organized the book about his uh, prayer life. And uh, he has different prayers and they are, uh, you know, he prayed in the, he, he fasted in, in the uh, face of temptation mm. and fasting was always accompanied by prayer. We don't have an actual prayer there. We know that he listened to the father in prayer. We have three listening prayers. We know that he prayed for daily needs, that, that we have a prayer of praise of his. We have a prayer of thanksgiving. We know that he prayed for himself. He prayed for his friends, his disciples. He prayed for the the future church you know he mm -hmm. prayed for at the point of critical decisions he prayed for uh, he prayed father forgive them for i know not what they do three three prayers from the cross itself father forgive them that's the first one the forgiveness prayer came first 
not like get me out of here or whatever. The right. second one is probably the question that we all have. Why, you know, mm. my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That's the second prayer. And the third one is, is a perfect prayer into your hands. I commit my spirit. Mm. Surrender. So we, the surrender prayer, but he also prayed prayers of blessing. And there's quite a few instances in God's word of where he played, prayed blessings over uh, the disciples, over food. He told them to pray blessings as they entered homes and so forth. So there really is there's so much meat. <laughs> there's wow. so much meat about Jesus' prayer life. It's exciting. I love that. Okay, so we're going to um, kind of start to wrap this up. I would love for you to share maybe a few tips or tools to help our listeners really kind of just remember and zero in that even when they can't see it, God really is working all things together for good. I think, you know, part of that is um, staying in God. This is going to sound not, not very new here, but mm -hmm. staying in God's word on a daily basis. You know, even if you are not literally hearing from God, he has given you, you know, a thousand plus pages of his words. Mm -hmm. And so be, becoming acquainted with them really injects power into your life. You can know things, you can uh, live your life confidently simply by relying on the promises in God's word. And, um, and the practice of prayer walking, I can't emphasize it enough. Nobody can, you know, at least yet in the state of California, can go to the gym yet, right? And right. Uh, um, I've, I've tried gym experiences and, uh, you know, there's only, only so much I want to watch on a screen and, and mm -hmm. there's only so much uh, of staring at the wall that, that I can do. But getting out and mm. having that experience with God, I just completely, I recommend it. Um, it can cement relationships if you walk with your spouse. Yeah, it can cement relationships with other people. Um, you can mentor younger people. You could be mentored yourself by someone older through that experience. Mm. It's just, it's powerful. <laughs> wow, oh, well, I am so motivated. I mean, you have no idea how great the timing is for this because God <laughs> was just convicting me this morning. It's time to make a change. So. I needed this, and I'm sure a bunch of ladies that are listening right now need it as well. So, uh, well, first of all, let me just say, um, if you're listening today, go out, go to, Am well, Amazon takes forever right now because it's not, they don't consider books an essential. So go somewhere else online and order the complete guide to the prayers of Jesus by Harvest House, uh, published by Harvest House, and, or Prayer Walk. Do, would you say both of those would yeah, be both of those are yep okay both are in print prayer walks still in print after about 20 years so. wow wow yeah. and uh and if, if there's someone listening today that wants to connect with you online janet what's the best place for them to do that uh through um my website janetmchenry.com or through facebook or other social media i'm all over the place <laughs> <laughs> yes, you are. And I love that. Love meeting people. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. Well, it has been an absolute delight to have you on today. Thank you so much for taking some time from your schedule to be on the All Things Podcast today. Thank you, Athena. It's been delightful. Amen. 
I just spent three days with 400 plus women from across North America who all feel called to write for the King. And can I just tell you, God did immeasurably more than we could have ever asked or imagined. I am overwhelmed at how God showed up and answered the cries of so many hearts, inspiring, equipping, and motivating women to share their redemption stories. Some called it an intersection of women's retreat and writer's conference without the pressure of preparing a pitch for agents or editors. I love that description. If you missed the conference, you can still join after the fact to view all of the teachings, five keynotes, two panels, and eight breakout segments, and connect with others in the private Facebook community. Go to SheWritesForHimConference.com and get in on the incredible teaching and inspiration. Well, welcome to the second half of today's episode of the All Things Podcast. I am here today with one of my favorite Redemption Press authors, Gail Porter. Gail, welcome to the All Things Podcast. Thank you so much, Athena. It's great to be here. Yes, it's just a blessing to have you. So before I we jump in, I want to give a proper introduction to Gail for those of you who are not um, maybe following her on social media or haven't had her come speak to your ladies group. Uh, Gail grew up in Portland, Oregon, not far from where we are, uh, <laughs> loves the Pacific Northwest. She's an author and speaker and spent 50 years serving with Crew, Campus Crusade for Christ in the U.S., as well as in the Philippines. Gail has had extensive experience in speaking at women's conferences in many countries. Her current book, which is the Redemption Press title, Will the Real Person Please Stand Up? rising above the fear of rejection flowed from her passion to help people learn how to escape captivity and experience freedom to be all God created them to be. She knows from personal experience the devastation that can come from choosing bondage instead of freedom. In her book, Life Through Loss, Facing Pain, Finding Your Purpose, that story has touched the lives of many who watched their loves, loved ones suffer and were left behind. Gail can identify with their sorrow because she has endured cascading losses in her own family. Her passion is to help readers find courage to take the next step toward new life in their unexpected season. Gail lives in Orlando, Florida, where she enjoys ballroom dancing and her favorite role of aunt to her nieces and nephews. So uh, before I start asking Gail some questions, I want to have you, our listeners, just ponder these questions. Um, do you hide from others because you're afraid they won't like what they discover about you? Are you holding back from walking through God's open doors because you don't think you'll perform well enough? And have you allowed past experiences or personal fears to keep you from becoming the person God intended you to be? If you answer yes to any of those three questions, you are really going to enjoy 
Gail's heart and all the things that God has taught her over these years that will help you break free of some of those bondages. So Gail, before we specifically talk about your book, Will the Real Person Please Stand Up? I'd love for our listeners to hear your Romans 8.28 story, how God has worked all things together for good for you who love him and are and called according to his purpose. Yes, my story just fits in so well to this redemption theme, Thina. Um, God, he rescued me. He rescued me from bondage to the fear of rejection that we've been talking about already and led me to that path of freedom where I can be the real person he created me to be. And that bondage was something I was totally unaware of. That's the interesting thing to me, because we do hold back. We build up defenses from people discovering who we really are and seeing the real us. And I, as I thought about this whole topic that God was asking me to write about, I had to say, God, what caused this fear rejection? How did that even evolve? Because I, as I look back at my life, I, I couldn't think of any one traumatic experience or any particular thing that would have created that kind of fear in my life. And then God began to uncover what my life really was like. And I think a lot of us have memories and emotions that we bury inside of us. And so we're not even aware of holding back from people. Mm-hmm. But I discovered that my family just existed together in their house. And my parents didn't know how to build that loving kind of connection with my brother and with me. And so I, I can't even remember where we sat at the dining room table. That's because nothing was really happening there. And I just was mm-hmm. looking for that love and acceptance looking for delight in my parents' faces when I'd come in in the mornings or bound in from playing outside in the neighborhood or just the hugs and the uh, I love yous. And I think there are a lot of us that have experienced that kind of thing. And like me, you had good parents who really took care of you, but there was something missing. That connection was missing. And I think that's why I began to put up these defenses that really kept kept me isolated and aloof from people. Mm. And it's and it uh, and what I hear you saying is sometimes it's just body language or a look on a person's face. Yes, that that stirs up that rejection. Yes, yes, and the defenses that we build again, can be totally subconscious. One thing I know I did was perform. I just tried to perform for my parents, my teachers, my friends, just so they would accept me and love me because I really didn't want them to be too close to me or or see what was inside. And 
the walls, a lot of us, I've talked to a lot of friends and, and acquaintances and, oh, oh, I build walls, they'll say, or, oh, I, I wear masks and they're, they're common things that happen. And again, unconsciously. And even after I started my first job, I built this persona of being mm -hmm. the most excellent assistant. And I, I walked that path. No one knew. They, they all thought I just had everything put together. Even as I talked to friends from the past, they, they say, Gail, I, I had no idea. I, I thought mm -hmm. you were fine. <laughs> I liked you, <laughs> but I didn't feel that. So, and even the perfection, you know, a lot of our listeners will relate to that, just trying to, to do everything perfect. Again, the motivation for that is so that they will like us, they'll admire us, they'll approve of us. And it, it, all those things, as I, as I began to write about those, I realized I've used all of those. <laughs> and mm. it, it, it keeps us aloof from people rather than just this wonderful per, uh, protection that we think we're, we're creating for ourselves. Wow. So it's almost like we, because we don't maybe trust God in those areas of our lives, we don't want to risk being hurt or being found out that we're maybe not what we, you know, they see us as being or this mask that we've worn or yeah. whatever, mm -hmm. just uh, trying to manage that and be in control. Yes. Yes, we, we think we're in wonderful control, but but mm. our lives are really lonely because we haven't let people in. Yeah. yeah. Wow. So, so that childhood for you set you on a path of performance, of wearing masks. And so t tell us a little bit about how God, well, I can tell just by the book you wrote is <laughs> God using a, that experience in your life for good. Are there some other key moments in your life where you looked and saw how God had redeemed that? Yes. Uh, and, and let me express too that I, the beginning of this journey of coming out of hiding and even wanting to come out of hiding happened like mid 40s. This wasn't something that happened a long time ago. And a lot of times we, we think we need to be someone that no one else is expecting us to be. And so what happens is that bondage takes place and we are, we are isolated, as I said. We're held back, we're aloof. And I think one thing that, that really pointed that out to me as you asked, is I saw that I loved my family, but I was purely a spectator. I mm. listened for news from my mother or from my brother about my nephews and nieces, but from afar. Now, some of it was because I lived in the Philippines for many years. So I think subconsciously, I gave myself permission to be a spectator only. 
because I wasn't there geographically. But right. it it I began to see that even in my ministry. I I taught Bible studies, I did wonderful things in the Philippines, but I didn't allow even those precious girls in my Bible study to really know me. And I just covered mm. up I never shared requests, any struggles or any problems. And one of the gals in my Bible study finally began to say at the end, as we end in prayer, she'd say, now, Gail, did you have any requests? Or now, Gail, anything we could pray for for you? (laughs) (laughs) Definitely, definitely. But the interesting thing was, I didn't fully realize what I was doing until Margie started telling me or indicating to me that I wasn't saying anything about myself. Yeah. Well, and you know, when you do open up and share your struggles, that is the one thing that gives others permission to share theirs and to go deeper instead of just being on the surface. Absolutely. Because even those girls in the, in the Bible say, I could see that there was a clear connection, a sweeter connection between us. And I had to say, the only reason there's a difference is because I'm revealing myself. And yes, and really the last 10 years of my ministry in the Philippines were by far the most meaningful, the most far reaching of the whole time I was in the Philippines. And that's because of that, that willingness to come out of that captivity to come out from mm. hiding because I thought I needed to be someone else that I wasn't. And they weren't expecting, right. like I said. So yes, so that living in captivity, in fact, that's the first section of my book. And, and it helps in that book, I, I tell how they can identify probably one of those five barriers that you know I have already talked about. Because sometimes they're just unaware. But, but the only way we can begin to even think about coming out of hiding is to, to identify what we've built that's keeping pe- people aloof from us. Mm. And that's just such a um, common, this is so common in women, you know, we get our hearts broken, or we are, you know, rejected, or We've had emotional trauma and that's just how we build walls around our heart is to, you know, stay aloof. Yes. And yeah. So, so what discoveries have you made in writing? Will the real person please stand up? Well, the first thing I discovered is that the only way we can break this is to allow God to do that. And I think sometimes like if we begin to see the bondage or that we're not free, we really don't know what to do. But God is just waiting to to make that wall crumble and to and to say to us, you can remove that mask. And you and I have talked about how the enemy continually puts lies in our ears and minds. And he'll say, oh, they won't like what you're going to do. Don't risk, don't risk because you might fail. And so he continually puts lies into us. And so many times we listen to them and we believe them. 
So God is the key. God is the key to coming out of hiding and letting him break those barriers. And I talk about positive choices we can make to have a partnership with God in breaking those barriers. And one of them is what we've talked about already, perfectionism. Because mm. when, we, when we seek perfection, it's a it's a goal it's an unattainable goal we, we never will be perfect right. why we even think we can i'm not sure but the perfection again and can't we see that holds us into bondage because if we don't do it perfect or if we don't think we did it perfectly then we're down on ourselves but the the positive choice you can make as you begin to think about that second section of your journey of breaking barriers um, is to welcome imperfection. I mean, you align up seek perfection and welcome imperfection. It can make all the difference in the world. And when we talk about welcoming imperfection, we're talking about making progress in our life. And progress in relating better to people, progress in accepting ourselves more, whatever it is, that we can, we, we are imperfect people. So why not, as we're thinking about how to be real, why not let go of that, that seeking perfection, uh, striving that we're doing, when we, God just wants us to make progress in loving him and connecting with people and sharing his love. Well, and other women are not going to connect with you as easily if all they see is you doing everything. Perfect. I know when, when you mess up and you admit that you messed up or you share that struggle of, you know, being so focused on being perfect that you lost sight of the person's heart that you were God had you reaching out to or whatever the situation is when you share that and and sometimes have to laugh at yourself for like again God <laughs> come on am I ever going to get this then they don't feel so intimidated because when we're perfectionists we make it look like we really got it all together when we don't <laughs> exactly and I I just ran across I don't remember if it was a quote or what someone shared, but when what you were describing as we just try to be perfect, try to perform. And when, and when we begin telling our struggles, our problems, our disappointments, our hurts, that were all things that I just stuffed inside of me. When we begin to mm -hmm. let those stories out then it actually highlights the power of God in our lives. Amen. The, the, the striving for perfection, that is all focused on ourselves. But when we let people see yep. the real us, the real you, then, and then they look at how God is using our lives, it, it, it highlights the power of God in our lives. Mm. And that's really, that's what we're supposed to be doing as, as followers of Jesus is, you know, he's the main act and we're supposed to be shining the spotlight. I on know. Him. And there's so much to, to shine about. 
if we just yeah. and, and really his his light doesn't have a chance to shine in and through us if we're or if we're on this crusade to be perfect women or acceptable women or we're totally into people pleasing which is another big thing yep yep okay so how do we get free mm. from the bondage yes that we have to take it to god he he is the one that that knows all the defenses that we've built we need as we identify it and we say god I need you to do this. And I remember one of the turning points for me was not wanting to exist as the person that everyone else wanted me to be. I no longer wanted mm -hmm. to exist that way. I no longer wanted my life to be like that. I wanted to, uh, to invite people to know me. So once we break those barriers, then then we can see that path of freedom. And I remember when that, when I came out of that castle, li I literally came out of that, that well-constructed castle and, and walked out. Then I, it's like, I saw this whole horizon ahead of me and God just gave me a picture of just green and colorful flowers and open spaces not any confinement. It, w it was a picture of being set free, but also I even wrote a poem about that. I called it the real person because, no, I called it the real mm -hmm. life, actually, because it was the mm -hmm. first time that I had looked out and seen what my life could be like if I walked on God's freedom path. Mm. And it comes nice. little by little. It's not like all of a sudden <laughs> relating yeah. freely. But I can tell you, I can tell the women who are listening, as you begin to take little steps of letting go and being who you are, that little step will be so encouraging and bring you so much joy that you'll just want to keep taking steps with God. And God I mean, he's everywhere. He saw us in hiding. He knows all of our feelings. He knows what we buried. But he he just has this wonderful path that he can't take us on unless we're willing to grab hold of his hand and start walking no matter no matter what, because we're not, we can't see the future. But in, in that third section, when I'm I'm talking about tasting freedom it's like you can anticipate free, uh, the future. You, can't, you don't know what's going to happen, but you can anticipate it with joy because you're now aligned with God. You're walking with God. You're, you're hearing his voice. You're not covering up to him or to anybody else. Mm. And that's, that's where we all that's, want to be. Mm -hmm. And the enemy is going to, the, the enemy's job and his focus is to try and keep us from getting there. And that's how, you know, we need to understand what, what his mission is and, and be willing to say no to that and, and yes, yes. to God and welcoming imperfection. I love <laughs> that saying, because that's where we get real, yes. we get authentic, we get transparent. Yeah. And that's what 
That's what women who we're connected to, they need to see that in us so that they have. Exactly. And, it, and it's true. I have heard more stories from women since I, since God set me free because mm-hmm. I know, I mean, I can't see it, but I know God has just given me more compassion, more care, more yeah. uh, other centered thinking and they see that it's like, like you were saying, you know, we're giving permission to other people to be honest, like we are. And so they know they can trust me. And I have, I have heard amazing stories. I've heard of stories of women who have been in very abusive uh, in, uh, home environments. And yet God's beginning to set them free. I've seen and talked to, to many people. In fact, someone even told me the other day, you know, you were talking about, you didn't know where you sat at the dining room table. She said, I had that same thought. And last year I asked my brother, where did we sit at our tables at our table? And we realized we never sat together for a meal. We didn't even remember where we ate our meal. And she went on to tell me about her abusive uh, childhood. So I would never have known, mm. never have known unless she told me, but, yeah. but you know what, what it's just joy when we're open enough for people to really trust us and, and, and give us their heart stories because then we can help make a difference in their lives. And we can be like champions one foot ahead of them. And, and they've seen the joy in our lives and they know they can have that too if they want it. Exactly. I love that. Okay, so as we begin to wrap this up, I would love for you, Gail, to just share a few tips or tools that would help our listeners remember, you know, the faithfulness of God that he is working all things together for good even when we're in the middle of it and can't really Mm. see what he's doing. Mm. Yes. Well, I think one of the main things that we can do is just come to God and say, I don't even know who I really am. Please Mm. let me know who I am so I can be that person to the people around me. It's like, God, you, you created me. You, you created each of the the women we're talking to, Athena, he created us lovingly, uniquely, and he wants us to shine for him. He wants us to shine out these these unique skills and abilities and love that he's put in our lives. So give it to God. Give it to God. Mm. That's good. In fact, I remember... Early on in my in my Christian life, I was encouraged to pray the prayer, Lord, show me my heart as uh, you yes. see it. You know, show me who I am as you see mm-hmm. me. And that, you know, that's a, he loves yes. to answer that prayer. Yes, he does. And, and we, you, we will be amazed at what he's going to show us about ourselves. We'll be amazed and it'll be mm-hmm. a joyful thing. And I, I just have a passion for everyone to be set free so that they totally can be the real person that God created them to be. 
And I, I love, I think one of my favorite verses, it was my favorite verse long before, but once I started uncovering what I was doing and, and that I was hiding, Galatians 5.1, it was for freedom that Christ set us free. Therefore, keep standing mm. firm and do not be subject again to a yoke of slavery. And doesn't that, that whole verse just describes what our life is like when we're in captivity. And God wants us to stand firm, yep. use, put on his weapons every day. So we're not subject. Mm -hmm. In other words, we're not even listening to those lies and believing those lies. And yep. we, if we do that, there will not be that yoke of slavery around us anymore. And, and, I think one of the fun uh, responses uh, from a friend who it had been a while since she'd seen me and I'd started on this freedom path. She said, oh, Kale, you just look so relaxed. <laughs> and I think the reason mm. she said that and saw that is I was not expending all my energy trying to be a person that uh, I thought other people wanted me to be. So Ladies, li just live the right. life that, that he has created you to live. Live that abundant life. He wants it for you. Amen. Amen. Okay. So if we have some ladies listening who would love to find you on uh, social media or on the internet, maybe to have you come speak at their church or to just get connect with you, what's the best way? The for website to find you? is the best. So gailporterauthor.com. And it has, it has my books, uh, some explanations on there. It has a tab of speaking. So it's very easy to click on there, listen to some of the things that I've uh, uh, spoken and make an appointment, uh, get us connected and give some topics that I love to share about. So yes, I, I'm available. I would love to hear from them. Wonderful. So gailporterauthor.com. It has been a delight to have you Thank on today, you, my Athena. friend. A great opportunity. Love talking to you and just knowing that we're talking about real, real life here. So thanks for joining us today for the All Things Podcast, brought to you by Redemption Press and the Romans 828 Bookstore. So, hey, I'd like to ask you a favor. If you would consider sharing this episode with your friends on social media, of course, only if you thought it was helpful. Or if you haven't yet left a review of the podcast on Apple, I would really appreciate it as, you know, it'll help other people find the show and let them know it really is a good one to listen to. So thank you so much for listening today, and I'll see you next week.